0: listening to the crop disease podcast a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by australian growers imagine if i told you you can now get your hands on a canola variety that is resistant to sclerotinia stem rot how awesome would that be to know that you could grow a crop without worrying it's about to fall over okay so please don't get too excited we're not quite there yet But what I can tell you is we're getting a lot closer to a variety that has partial resistance, which will still be just as amazing. Hello, I'm Megan Jones from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, and in this podcast we're talking about the latest in canola resistance to sclerotinia. I've got two guests on the show today. My first guest is AGT CEO Hayden Cookle, who will talk to us about the latest in breeding resistant canola varieties. My second guest is DPIRD research scientist Kira Beard, who will give us some advice for managing sclerotinia stem rot in the paddock. But before we hear from Hayden and Kira, let me introduce my co-hosts from CCDM. They research canola diseases, and their names are Mark Derbyshire and Lars Kumphouse. How's it going, Mark and Lars? You're
1: pretty good, uh, Megan. Yeah, good, thanks, Megan.
0: Oh, it's great to have you on the show. So how long have you two been working together at CCDM on canola diseases?
1: About seven years. Is that right, Lars? It's put on, Mark. Yep.
0: Gee, that's a fair whack of time, isn't it? So, Mark, I've seen in the news that your team have just made an exciting discovery to share with us today. Can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, sure. We uh, basically screened a collection of 218 canola varieties for sclerotinia resistance, and we did an analysis to find parts of the canola genome which have a strong association with resistance to sclerotinia. And then we also did a follow-up screen after this bigger screen Um, with 14 of the best varieties in terms of their sclerotinia resistance and we did that in a controlled environment where conditions were um, uh, much more uniform and we replicated the study um, on a larger scale and we tested the lines, the canola lines with a strain from Western Australia and one from over in New South Wales and we found that um, for two of these 14 lines there was um, quite consistent broad spectrum resistance to Sclerotinia.
0: Oh, sounds like a really exciting discovery there. So Lars, what would this discovery mean for canola growers battling with sclerotinia?
2: Well it's exciting that we've been able to identify two really promising sources with partial resistance to this disease. That now gives canola breeding companies an opportunity to try and integrate this resistance into their programs. Whilst this might still be a tricky approach to to achieve because canola resistant of resistance to sclerotinia in canola is controlled by many regions in the canola genome with small effects, um, the team at CCDM is working on an approach to try and bring these regions into canola varieties through uh, a method that we call genomic selection.
0: So there's hope yet for growers that they might have a resistant variety coming up soon?
2: Well, obviously that's that's still a while away because uh, we don't know how quickly we can get that resistance into future varieties. That's probably more a question for uh, canola breeding companies to answer. But we're hopeful that uh, once they start incorporating this material into their programs, that in the future, uh, more resistant varieties will become available. And we're working closely with two commercial programs now to try and make that happen.
0: Well, speaking of breeding resistant varieties, I recently caught up with Hayden Cookle, CEO of AGT. Hayden Cookle has been the CEO at AGT for the past seven years with a background in wheat breeding. He grew up on a farm in South Australia, did an ag science degree at Adelaide Uni, and fell in love with genetics and plant breeding, and with that, all the improvements that can be made to farmers' lives by generating varieties that are more resistant, that are better quality and yield more. So it was really great to chat to him and what he's been up to. Should we listen to what we said?
2: Absolutely. Let's do that it. was great.
0: Okay, let's listen. So I'm now with Hayden Cookle, the CEO of AGT. How are you going, Hayden? Good, thank you. So can you give us an overview of the traits you were looking at when breeding canola varieties for the future?
3: Yeah, so I guess one of the things that we've done a little different perhaps than many of the other canola seed companies out there is that as a breeding company, um, we believe strongly in making sure that the best genetics is in the hands of the farmers at the lowest price possible. And I guess our experience and the feedback from growers on wheat and barley and lupins and durum, and the other crops that we breed is that the endpoint royalty system works really well. So we breed open pollinated canola and then put an endpoint royalty on the end rather than charging uh, the hybrid, you know, uh, high seed costs up front. We're focusing on that open pollinated model with the, with the endpoint royalties and then ultimately allowing growers to be able to keep their own seed and trade seed with each other. So I guess first and foremost, you know, we're breeding for open pollinated varieties. And what that means is that we think ultimately they will also have a role in the high rainfall, but we're fo- focusing in particular on the low to medium rainfall environments, medium rainfall where um, we think that canola is a really important part of the crop rotation. Uh, and you know it's, it's a key part of profitability for farmers uh, all over Southern and Western Australia. And so we're focusing on the key traits, yield, uh, blackleg, uh, and obviously um, oil content, for example, but other important traits like uh, lodging tolerance, the right plant stature, flowering time, and, uh, and eventually, hopefully, we're going to be putting a lot more effort into sclerotinia as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And that's what we're here today to talk about, that horrible disease, sclerotinia stem rot. It seems to be a disease that's really tricky for growers to manage, especially as all varieties are quite susceptible to the disease. Do you think that one day we'll see a variety that is um, highly resistant to this disease?
3: We'd certainly like to think that we can improve the resistance. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think there's a few challenges in front of us, and one of them is having resistance genetics. But perhaps even before that is um, for plant breeders to make good genetic gain in a trait, we need a nice, clear phenotype. Now, phenotype is the trait that we measure. So we need some way of being able to measure resistance. And and you might think, well, that sounds simple, but but it often isn't. And one of the tricky things with sclerotinia is that The infection is so environmentally dependent that we need to make sure we can create a sort of similar environment for all of the different uh, potential varieties before we rate their resistance. So I think the first step is make sure we've got a good phenotype that's useful by breeders, uh, access good genetics, develop even better tools, molecular markers that we can use to speed up breeding. And so eventually we could get to high levels of resistance. But I, I imagine that even just partial resistance is probably enough to be able to eliminate a lot of the economic impact of the disease, right? So I think that's the first thing we need to achieve is enough resistance to be able to allow growers to better manage the disease and reduce the largest part of the economic impact of the disease.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sounds really good. So we've spoken a bit about canola. What about other varieties in other crops? Are there any other that are worth a mention?
3: Yeah, so we've got, um, as I said before, we're breeding uh, wheat. That's how we first started, breeding wheat. And I guess, you know, we've had some bigger varieties over in the west and south like Mace and Scepter and now Calibre. And the great thing about Calibre is that it's got that longer coleoptile, but most importantly, it's got a yield jump. Um, The last few years of really soft finishes have actually favoured Scepter. And although Calibre is still out-yielded Scepter in many environments, I think, uh, unfortunately, in a drier year that we may well experience this year, we're likely to see Calibre start to shine. Um, which is certainly what our long-term yield data shows. and the great thing is that other than that it's a very similar package uh, uh, to scepter, which is which is what you what growers are wanting. So um, I think I think that's a good one. Um, and then look this year uh, very shortly, we're about to release a new clear field variety. It'll be a scepter type with actually improved yield and clear field tolerance. so that's something to look for. Uh, and our barley varieties, um, Cyclops minotaur and then recently tightened with the new um, group A or group 1 herbicide tolerance is something different for growers to look at and see how that might fit in their farming system. So yeah, a few different things out there and we've just about to release two new lupin varieties. So um that's pretty exciting for WA growers. So yeah, it's, it's it's great to be part of lots of crops because it means we've got lots of things to talk to farmers about and and I guess we're all about trying to have impact for farmers and being involved in lots of crops and in all of the all of the crop rotations important to us. So hopefully they're of value to, to farmers really soon.
0: Yeah, sounds great. And it's exciting. There's so much coming through as well. So for growers, is there any general advice for growers and advisors who are selecting varieties for next season? Would What would you be suggesting to farmers in that regard?
3: Oh, look, I think our growers are great at this. You know, like, <laughs> I think one of the really core things um, whenever you're talking about agricultural research outputs is don't talk them up too much, right? I mean, growers at the end of the day their whole businesses are reliant on these outputs, and so we've got to be realistic about what's going on. and And I think growers are great at working that out, especially with their advisors, their agronomists. and And so, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they all do this already. But I think you know, looking at the NVT data, looking at the independent sources of data is really important for growers before they adopt a variety. Um, you know, there's sometimes varieties going out there without that sort of data, and a lot of hype can be generated. Uh, but I think being able to really focus in on what's the data that's in front of me. Um, is there multiple years of data that I can compare this variety to the one that I've already got? Uh, Does it fit the resistance profile that I need to fit my farming system and does it have the quality potential that I'm looking for? And and ultimately, you know, that's going to help a grower make the best decision that they can and then ultimately trial it on their farm. And I guess that's the other great thing about low-cost seed is that you can trial a variety for a couple of years up against the other varieties that you're already growing and work out what works best for you.
0: Sounds like great advice. Thanks, Hayden. And I think we'll wrap up the interview here. Thanks so much for coming on the show today.
3: Uh, thanks for having me. It's been great. So
0: we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Megan. So what did you think about that Mark and Lars? He said with access to better genetic tools and molecular markers, there's definitely hope for resistant varieties, even if it's just partial resistance that can take away the economic impact. Sounds like your work is just what they need.
1: Yeah, it was really good to hear that um, perspective from industry and from one of the major plant breeding companies in Australia. Um, I think it's an important point that it's um, partial resistance to sclerotinia, which is the thing that we're trying to work towards. Um, it's a complicated trait and it comes with a lot of challenges, but um, that's really what we're trying to do is try and, trying to meet those challenges and trying to develop a good way of um, breeding for sclerotinia resistance. So,
0: Yeah, sounds good, Matt. Um, He also said the challenge with sclerotinia is that it is so environmentally dependent and that there needs to be a similar environment for all potential varieties to be tested. Is this something your team is working to rectify too?
2: Absolutely, Megan. So temperature, humidity, uh, and the time when the sclerotinia disease comes out and expresses itself in a grow paddock is is really, really key to to what's going to happen. And so the team is, is working on trying to look at uh, what temperature and humidity are important uh, to, for the disease to express in, in, in different canola varieties. You can imagine that that also becomes a challenge for, for growers. So when do you decide to apply a fungicide application and get that timing right? So with, with sclerotinia, they produce these uh, small spores from these mushroom-type structures that we call apothecia, and they usually land into canola crop uh, around the time of flowering and so if the conditions are right and, and humid enough you've got to make a decision when to spray or not. So that's a real challenge for growers because if you miss that timing and you get it wrong and you still apply your fungicide then not only have you wasted money on applying your fungicide but you still get the damage from sclerotinia.
0: Yeah absolutely Lars and speaking on fungicide management actually you bring me into my ni- next guest nicely. Um, I spoke to Kira Beard. And for the past 21 years, Kira has been a research scientist at DPIRD based in Geraldton. Have either of you collaborated with Kira before?
2: We're actually currently working with uh, Kira on a project. So oh. sclerotinia is not only a bad culprit in, in canola, but it is a pathogen that's got a broad host range. So it causes disease on a range of pole species in the Australian cropping seasons as well. And particularly in Western Australia, it's causing havoc in uh, narrowleaf lupin. And so we're working with Kira on trying to understand the epidemiology of sclerotinia in lupins. So how does it infect lupins and how does it do the damage uh, in Australian lupin crops?
0: Very interesting, Lars. Well, Kira told me she really enjoys working in Geraldton, um, especially how it's so rewarding how she can work in different crops and different diseases. At the moment, she's working, as you mentioned, in sclerotinia and lupins, and she talked a bit about that to me as well. Um, she knows a thing or two about the disease, and she's really enjoying working on the GRDC project with CCDM and the Ming and New Irving Group. I got to talk to Kira on sclerotinia stem rot in canola and how to manage it. Should we listen to our chat?
1: Yeah, sounds great.
0: Okay, let's listen. So I'm now with Kira Beard, research scientist at Deeperd, based in Geraldton. How are you going,
4: Kira? Good, thank you. How so how is the season going in the northern region of WA at the moment? So this year has been very different to the last two years and unfortunately um, for growers the break was really late, so it was in June. So crops are looking um, quite variable across the region and yeah, generally canola is a lot less dense and not looking as um, high yield potential as the last two years have. So, So with that in mind, have there been any signs of sclerotinia? In general, we haven't had any reports from, from growers to date. Um, usually they start around now and into spring, so there might be still some reports coming, but the um, petal infection has varied a lot and um, the weather has been really quite cold. So we're yes, yeah, thinking that this year, sclerotinia might be, um, incident might be down on previous years. For sure. And this is just the northern region. Can you comment on the rest of WA at all? yeah even the rest of WA I think um the the cold weather and um the patchy rain in some places and maybe yeah canola has been spared sclerotinia to to date but um yeah we'll we'll keep watching this space okay well I guess that's a
0: good thing for growers at the moment to not have too much sclerotinia yes um, but it is a disease that's quite important for growers and I was wanted to ask, as the years go by, do you think it's
4: a disease that's getting worse in severity? Yes, it does seem like the last few years, particularly when the weather conditions are conducive for sclerotinia, that the disease is um, definitely becoming really regular. Uh, once sclerotinia infects a crop, that paddock will have sclerots left behind um, that can infect the next um, lot of canola or next pulse crop. And so just over time, the WA wheat belt is becoming, um, yeah, higher risk for sclerotinia because of the build up of these sclerotia in the soil. More it used to just be a Geraldton region issue, uh, but it's definitely being found all over the wheat belt now. Yeah, for sure. So, for growers that are dealing with sclerotinia this season, can you give us some management advice for them? Sure. Yeah. So, sclerotinia is a very challenging disease to manage because you really need to um, protect your crop from it before you see the symptoms. And so it's also because it's very heavily reliant on weather, very hard to know what whether it's a season that's going to favour it or not and that kind of thing. So the the biggest tip is about rotation. So knowing your history of sclerotinia in your area is very important because as soon as you've had it, um, the sclerotinia can last for up to six years or more. So if you're in a um, an area where you've had, uh, had it before and you're going to grow scler- um, glow canola or a pulse crop like lupins in that, then you're going to be at risk. Uh, but then the rest of the risk is coming from the growing season uh, mostly. So the Sclerotinia CM app, um, which was produced by the National Canola Pathology Project, is a really good tool to help you make a decision on whether to apply a fungicide or not in a given season in your particular paddock. So it takes into account that your history of sclerotinia and you can put in like your expected yield potential and the current growth stage of your crop and what the weather conditions are like at the moment in in coming weeks. And then it will give you um, some information about the economics of whether you're likely to See a good response from a spray decision or not, so we recommend that um, every season. But particularly this season, with maybe yield potentials are down a little bit and um, the weather is particularly unpredictable, um, it's good to have a play with that and try different scenarios rather than just putting on a fungicide spray every year. That's great advice, thanks,
0: Kira. And I'll um, also put a link on the um, episode description to the sclerotinia map. So I've just got one more question for you. So in this podcast, we're talking about several new resistance genes that could help breed resistance into canola varieties. What would it mean to a grower to have a variety that was somewhat resistant
4: to sclerotinia? I think most growers would say, yes, please, that that sounds like yeah. a great idea. Um, yes, from all our work so far, it seems that all canola varieties currently do get sclerotinia. It is a really challenging disease to manage and growers don't want to be out spraying all the time with fungicides I and mean, we don't want to develop fungicide resistance problems so a variety that had some natural yeah, resistance spread into it that would be um wonderful yeah absolutely
0: kira and i think we'll wrap up the interview there thanks so much for joining me today oh you're welcome yeah and really hope you get some rain your way really soon thank you <laughs> okay thanks bye Yeah, so there was some great advice there from Kira, and it sounds like a resistant canola variety is just what's needed given the tight rotations that are happening. Hey, Mark, why is sclerotinia such a challenging disease to manage?
1: Um, Yeah, well, as uh, Kira said, really um, it's this disease that survives as these kind of resting structures in the soil for many years, so it's quite difficult to manage with rotations. There's no um, sclerotinia-resistant varieties So really, the only option left is fungicides. But then because of the environmental specificity of sclerotinia, as Lars was discussing, um, it's quite difficult to know when to spray the fungicides and then even whether or not to spray the fungicides, whether you're going to get a return on investment. So if we were able to develop sclerotinia-resistant varieties, um, that would just be another great tool to help manage this um, challenging disease.
0: Well... That's where I'm sure you guys have your work cut out for you. We definitely need you on board. Um, But it's great to see you've made some big steps forward with the recent discovery of partially resistant germplasm. So great. Um, We better get to the end of this now. So thanks so much for talking with me today and your work, Mark and Lars.
1: Thank you very much, Megan. Thanks for having us. It's
0: great to have you here. Also, I know you two have been on a video as well about this research, so I'm going to include the link to that video on the podcast description for people to watch. And also, everyone out there, if you have a crop disease topic that you'd like us to cover, then let us know. You can follow us and let us know on Twitter at the CCDM. You can also sign up to our blog and get more information just like this at ccdm.com.au. And if you like this podcast, why not tell your mate or colleague about it? Well, that's all for now. You'll hear from us next month for more crop disease discussions. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co supported by Curtin University and the Brains Research and Development Corporation.